Brian Barnett is just a regular guy. He's not a doctor. He has no legal license in any field of mental or emotional health. Brian Barnett merely shares the insights he's gained from his personal experiences for anybody who may choose to use such information as he or she personally chooses, while accepting full responsibility for his or her own individual thoughts, feelings, behaviors, and actions. Brian Barnett assumes no responsibility whatsoever for anybody's individual choice to expose himself or herself to any information that Brian Barnett shares. And by listening to this program, you're acknowledging that you, and only you, are responsible for your own thoughts, feelings, and actions. Happy Thursday, everybody. Welcome back to The Last Symptom Podcast. I'm Brian Barnett, the creator and host of The Last Symptom. Thank you for joining me again this week. It occurred to me right before I started the show, as I was getting ready to sit down here and record not just the audio, but as Yens probably know by now, I'm recording myself on video uh, as well when I do these shows. And uh, it occurred to me, I wonder how many of Yens out there are waiting to see when I rotate back around to a certain shirt. (laughs) Because I've only got so many shirts and uh, I don't go shopping for shirts that often. And so when I sit down to do this show, that's one of the things that goes through my mind. Uh, I, I start to record the show with a, wearing a certain shirt, and I say to myself, well, I can't wear that shirt. I wore that shirt two episodes ago, so i got to change the shirt. I need more shirts. Well, again, I'm happy to have you back here with me again this week. We've got a really nice discussion to get into today, so I don't want to beat around the bush on that. Let's do some announcements, and then once we get the announcements out of the way, well, then we can do the conversation, and we won't have that hanging over our head. TheLastSymptom.com is my website full of free and paid resources. The paid resources support my work. They allow me to do this show every week, as well as uh, engage in the other activities that are related to The Last Symptom. At The Last Symptom, the two paid resources that I offer there are uh, one-on-one phone conversations with me, as well as one-on-one Zoom video conversations with me. And then, of course, there is the two-week intensive pre-recorded course that's called The Last Symptom Fundamentals course. And uh, because it's pre-recorded, it's a video of me giving you a visual presentation sort of like a PowerPoint presentation. I have it divided up into two weeks. You can, depending on the pace that you go through the course, it could be longer, it could be shorter. It's just like college course if you take a college course online, but the purpose of the course is to help you lay down a solid foundation of insights that you can then continue to build upon for the rest of your authentic recovery. So if that's something you're interested in, uh, know more about, run over to thelastsymptom.com and it's, it should be in the paid resources tab. I have a online community of folks. We talk about emotional health related things all the time. We also have fun things that we talk about that are not related to emotional health, but that group is uh, insightful, it's intimate, and uh, I'm active on there every day. If you'd like to join us, that's on the Locals platform. So there's two ways that you can join us there. You can 
just run over to thelastsymptom.locals.com in your web browser or you can download the locals.com app from the app store and then just search for the last symptom by brian barnett pop right up love to see you over there and have you be a part of our group this week i promised that we would talk about the difference between qualities and feelings this come about when somebody asked me um, i reckon it was a couple weeks ago she said is empathy a feeling or is it an act it's a good question is empathy a feeling or is it an act and then i myself brought qualities into it so today's conversation is really going to be the difference between feelings acts and qualities of course to have this discussion we have to first understand what each of these three things are and understand the distinctions between them don't we so to get started what is an act what is an act an act is the action of doing a thing but not only that an act is also the act of not doing a thing so there's really no such thing as doing nothing if you think about it if uh, I'm standing near a train station and I see that there's a lady tied up in ropes and she's been left there on the train tracks some dastardly villain has left her there on the train tracks and a train is coming and I fail to do something well then that is an act I, I've I've committed an act it's the failure to act right the failure to uh, do anything about that I'm just standing by and not interfering so that is an action on my part an act is anything we do or don't do so breathing for example is an act running is an act cooking playing a game speaking blinking our eyes thinking yes thinking is an act why can we say that all these things are acts they are acts or actions because all of these things are things we ourselves are doing or failing to do now that brings up an interesting conversation around feelings is feeling an act have you ever thought about that is feeling when you feel something is that an act the answer is no it's not an act why why isn't feeling an act because feeling is not something that we are doing if feeling is not something that we are doing then what is it it's something we're experiencing so for this reason and think about this it's for this reason because feeling is not something that we are choosing to do it's for that reason that we that feelings can't be classified as good or bad right or wrong it's the entire reason which is one of the pillars by the way of my work feelings are neither good or bad right or wrong well why is that it's because it's not something you're doing you can't be held accountable for what you feel 
because it's not something you have any choice over. Rather, what you know, what is the very nature of feelings? If it's not an action, if it's not an act that we are doing, something we're doing, then what is the very nature of what feelings are? And I just described it to you. It's an experience. It's an experience. So think about that. Feelings are just something that you're experiencing. It's not something you're doing. That's why you can't be held accountable for what you feel. And it's why uh, feelings can't be classified as good or bad, right or wrong. Because the very nature of what they are means they don't fall into a category that can be classified in that way. Interesting, isn't it? So if you think about it, we, we can't be held accountable for our feelings any more than we can be held responsible for our bodies experiencing temperature changes in the air. Now, I've had people in the past say, yeah, but that's a physical thing. And emotional, that's not, a, that's not physical. And you're right, but so what? So what? We're talking about the nature of certain things and the categories they fall into. And the way your body senses temperature changes in the air falls into the same category. It shares the same nature as that of feelings. It's, it's something you're experiencing. So imagine when you go outside in the cold and you feel cold. Is that something you're doing? Of course it's not. It's something you're experiencing, right? You're not making yourself feel cold. In fact, you don't even have a choice in the matter whether to feel cold or not. You have a choice about whether whether to put on a jacket or not. But that ha- that is not directly related to you choosing what you're feeling in any given environment, right? So for this reason, you're not choosing to feel cold. The air is cold, and your body is simply experiencing that cold. And that's the way feelings work. That's the category, the nature of the way feelings are. You know, if you think think about the the absurdity of trying to hold somebody accountable for feeling cold, you see how absurd that is. They're not choosing to feel cold; they just do feel cold. I've also had people in the past say, "Well, yeah, but what if it's 80, 80 degrees outside Fahrenheit, which is you know summertime temperatures? Really, it's really quite warm." You say, "What if it's a uh, you know eighty degrees out there, it's sweltering, sun is blaring." middle of summer you're in florida and a person walks outside and says boy i feel cold out here in this sweltering weather can it be said that they're feeling the wrong thing no what they're feeling is what they're feeling it's not like they go oh but wait a second it's 80 degrees out here and i'm not supposed to feel cold they still feel cold they're just feeling whatever they feel that registering in oneself is information now it might be information that you're sick that might be the information but still the information itself is not right or wrong good or bad whatever it is that's what it is and you know it's prudent to listen to that information and try to understand what what it is that you are needing in that in that environment feelings are no different than that 
people might say it's inappropriate for you to feel this in such and such a situation well anybody who tells you that does not understand the nature of feelings they just don't they're confusing feelings as something you have control over that something it's something that people do and that's just not the truth right so if it's not something you're doing and it's not something we have control over how can it be said that you're feeling the wrong thing in any given situation it might seem inappropriate but that doesn't change the fact that what you're feeling is what you're feeling the next order of business would be then to try to understand why why am i feeling this way why am i feeling so hilarious at this funeral or you know whatever the case might be why am i at this uh, comedian stand-up routine am i feeling so sad you see a person might say well it's, it's inappropriate for you to feel yeah, so sad in such a jolly environment well it doesn't change the fact that you're feeling what you're feeling and that that information is trying to tell you something maybe uh, maybe something that the stand-up comedian has said has reminded you of a of a lost love or of a um, the death of somebody near to you or maybe you're thinking gosh uh, my friend who I lost in an accident 20 years ago would have loved to have been here with me in this at this comedy show so you see there is no such thing as right or wrong good or bad when it comes to feelings it's not something you're choosing it's something you're experiencing what's another thing that falls into the same category as something we experience but not it's not something we're doing can you think of anything i got one for you if you can't think of one taste yeah taste is another thing that falls into the category of something we experience but not something that we that is an act it's not something we are doing but when it comes to taste and language you got to be careful because there's the act right of scooping for example a bit of food onto a spoon and putting it into your mouth and we falsely refer to that as tasting a thing don't we so a person says so think about that person says here taste this you reach over you take a chicken leg or you scoop up some ice cream or you take the can of pop that the person is offering you and you put it in your mouth we say that you you're tasting a thing by going through those actions right but that's not the act that's not the literal act of tasting a thing it's you choosing to put something in your mouth that is an act right that is something you're doing that's not an experience it's something you're doing scooping the ice cream putting it in your mouth that is the act the tasting itself is not an act it's not something you're doing again what is it it's an experience that you are experiencing so once the food gets into your mouth and you experience the sensations the flavors of that food that is the true experience of tasting a thing so are you still following me along so far we've talked about acts we've talked about feelings as being experiences right and we've distinguished between those two things one is an experience that we're experiencing and the other thing is an act it's something that we have a choice to do or not to do 
it just started raining pretty good so I got the rain coming down I know that um, you probably it's probably not loud enough for it to really distract you but the last time I was editing this and there was rain definitely I could hear the hum it's almost sounded like I had an air conditioner running in the background but it was actually a rainstorm coming down on my roof so back to thinking if you'll remember back when we first started having this discussion and I talked about things that are acts I included thinking into the category of an act it's not an experience it's an act why do we say that thinking is an act because we have full control over what we continue thinking about now people who don't um, who aren't willing to to um, think very deep on the matter instantly will argue with that and they'll say nope 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 I things pop into my head all the time I got no control over right well that's why I said you don't have any con- that's why I didn't say that you have full control over whatever you think instead you have full control over what you continue thinking about which for all intents and purposes is the same thing because if a thought comes into my head whether I invited it or not and I recognize that that thought's there, I can choose to swat it away and think about something else. So for all intents and purposes, we do have full control over our thoughts. But the the correct wording is we have full control over what we continue thinking about. So thinking is an act. I can choose to think a thing. I can choose to stop thinking a thing by choosing to think about something else. So that's interesting, right? We talked about acts. We've talked about experiences, things we experience, and the differences between those things. Now, uh, as far as tasting goes, and that being an experience, think about this. You can reasonably be held accountable for what you choose to put in your mouth, right? Which we say we falsely refer to as tasting a thing. We can be reasonably held accountable for that because we have a choice in the thing. We chose to put the thing in our mouth. But can you reasonably be held accountable for the flavors and the, the the experience of tasting the thing once it's in your mouth? No. Can't be reasonably held accountable for that because tasting is not something we do. It's something we experience. So that's the difference between feelings and acts. Feelings are simply something we experience. Acts are things we do. We ourselves are doing that. Now back to empathy. Is empathy a feeling? Or is it an act? Hmm, interesting question, ain't it? After having contrasted feelings and acts, we now know what those two things are. Now now we have to add a third thing, and that's qualities. And that's really the the meat of the conversation today. Qualities. What is a quality? You know, you, you've heard me talking about qualities an awful lot. And uh, so this conversation is probably overdue. What is a quality and where does it fit in? What, What is the nature of a quality? We have to discuss what qualities are in contrast to feelings and acts because empathy, to answer the the original question, if is empathy a feeling or is it an act? Empathy is not a feeling or an act. Empathy is a quality. 
So now you see why we've got to talk about qualities. Empathy as a quality involves feelings and acts. So, you know, when you hear unhealthy people talking about how empathetic they are, how they're empaths, what can you immediately understand the problem with them is? What is the... How do you know they're unhealthy? How do you know that somebody is unhealthy the instant they start describing themselves as empaths? Well, the, the dead giveaway is that they believe empathy is a feeling. It's just a feeling. So that's the dead giveaway. If a person doesn't understand that empathy is not a feeling and it's not an act, but rather it is a quality, and if they can't tell you what a quality is, that's the dead giveaway. That means the person is walking around genuinely believing that empathy, the, what makes empathy empathy is just what you feel inside of yourself. So, we got to talk about qualities. Qualities are interesting because they involve feelings and acts, but they are neither of these things on their own. This reminds me of a Dominican drink, a drink from the Dominican Republic, which I was introduced to 25 years ago, and that I love to this day. And I'm going to tell you why. It's because it tastes like creamsicle. You know what creamsicle is? It's like vanilla and um, orange combined. And it's this really, it's, uh, some people might describe it as like orange sherbet. That's, that's creamsicle. So this drink I'm talking about from the Dominican Republic is called Morir Soñando. Morir Soñando. And what that translates to is literally to die dreaming. And now you understand why it's called to die dreaming. It's because it's so dang good that when you have it, you just, oh my gosh, that's really good. I Man, I, I could drink that all day long now here's the thing about morir soñando the drink it contains milk and it contains orange juice what do you know about milk and orange juice <laughs> would you assume that that's a pretty good combination not at all would you why not because orange juice by its very nature is acidic and milk, by its very nature, curdles when it encounters acidic things. That's the miracle of morir soñando. The way it's mixed, you have to mix it just right so that the two, the orange juice and the milk, blend perfectly. So that it, the milk doesn't curdle. And you get a perfect blend of orange juice and milk. And then, usually, uh, I think sugar cane is added to it. And that's what you end up with. You end up with a creamsicle drink. It is so delicious. But now think about morir soñando. I say to you, wow, that's delicious. Is it orange juice? And the person says, no, it's not orange juice. Is it milk? No, it's not milk. But they say, it needs orange juice. And it needs milk to even exist. But once, it, once you put in 
the orange juice with the milk and the sugar cane, of course, then you end up with something brand new. Something brand new. It's not orange juice or milk. It's something brand new. And it's this drink called Morir Soñando. So if you got any Dominican friends, make them uh, prepare you some Morir Soñando. And if you don't have Dominican friends, run out and make some. Or find a restaurant in your area, because boy, it is good drinking. What other things in life do you know about that are like this? That it needs one thing and it needs another thing, but it's you can't say that it is that thing or it's this thing. It's now something new. How about a salad? Right? Is salad and lettuce the same thing? No, lettuce is one thing and salad is another thing. A salad is a lot more than just lettuce. Here in the United States, American-style salads usually require lettuce, and usually a salad is mostly made up of lettuce. But a lettuce on its own don't make a salad. Usually more is required in order for a salad to come into existence. It would be wrong for me to hand you a bowl of salad and for you to say, what's this? And for me to say, it's just lettuce. It's lettuce. And you go, well, that's, what's that? Is that a tomato? And what, what's that over there? Is that a, an onion? Is that an olive I see? Yeah, but, but this is just lettuce, I say. It's just a bowl of lettuce. No, it's not lettuce, even though it contains lettuce. And a lot of it is lettuce. It's something new. It's a salad. How about uh, your underwear? Is your underwear and raw cotton the same thing? No, even though there's an awful lot of britches and skivvies out there made of cotton, they're not the same thing. Yes, cotton is involved. Yes, cotton is usually necessary. Now, not all the time. It can be made out of spandex or polyester or lots of other things, but let's stick with cotton for right now. A lot of britches are made out of cotton, but cotton and britches are two different things, even though Britches contain a lot of cotton. Is flower nectar and bees the same thing as honey? So if I hand you a, a container of honey and I say, here you go, have this flower nectar. Is that right? Am I properly describing the thing I'm handing you? No. Does, the, does honey depend on flower nectar in order to be honey? Yes, it does. What if I hand you the container and I say, here you go, have a container of bees, honey bees, enjoy. You'd say, it looks like honey to me. Oh, right, my mistake. That's not bees. I, I, I always confuse those two things. It's honey. Honey needs both of those things, flower nectar and bees, in order to exist. In order to come into existence, both those things are, are needed. It's interesting, bees swallow nectar into a second stomach that's called the honey stomach. Did you know that? And then they fly back to the, the hive. They regurgitate that nectar out of their second stomach, the honey stomach. And then they pass it to, from bee to bee to bee. And each bee chews on it some more choose on it some more, choose on it some more, and they pass it along, pass it along. And it's this process here that takes flower nectar from being flower nectar 
to be in honey. So I don't know. I reckon it's uh, some combination of stomach juices or the spit of the bee. I didn't fully research it, but it makes sense because it's that process that combined with the nectar, eventually you end up with honey. And it's that honey that they then put into the honeycomb and uh, then we get the, the honey in our grocery stores. Of course, my favorite example of all these things of, you know, having a new thing that depends on these other things, but is not those things. My favorite example of that is moonshine. Let me ask you a question. Is moonshine water? Is it grain? Or is it yeast? Well, it's not any of those things. But it needs those things, doesn't it? In order for it to come into existence. It does contain those things, but it's not those things. You ever hear that expression, um, you're more than the sum of your parts, right? So I'm not just skin. I'm not just brain matter. I'm not just my hair or my fingernails. It, All of those things combined, and even things that are not physical, so, for example, my personality, my experiences, my memories, these things also form a part of me. I am more than the sum of my parts. Qualities. Qualities are more than the sum of their parts. Do you understand why we're talking about honey, morir soñando, um, salads, and all these things when we're talking about qualities? Are you beginning to see? Because when a person says is humility or we weren't talking about humility what we were talking about um, empathy is empathy a feeling or is it an act it's not a feeling or an act but as a quality it absolutely involves feelings and acts interesting isn't that moonshine can't have shine without grain water and yeast and empathy ain't a feeling it is not a feeling love not a feeling remember how we talked about how you could identify an unhealthy person because they think these things are just feelings i grew up in a family where love was it presented to me as just what i feel if i feel strongly enough first for somebody that's love and guess what i can treat them any way i want as long as i still have that strong feeling for them treat them like dirt and when they're hurt I just tell them no but you don't understand I love you still because of this strong feeling I have inside of me but feeling love well let's say this love is not a feeling empathy not a feeling they are qualities so like empathy love is not a feeling or an act but as a quality it absolutely requires those things. It re- does require feelings. It involves feelings. And it also requires and involves acts. Try thinking of some other well-known qualities that you're aware of to help you understand the nature of what a quality is. I use honesty a lot as an example because it's effective and it's um, 
not too complex to understand why we say honesty is a quality. It's not just something you feel, and it's not just something you do. When we say that a person is honest, we're describing a quality that they have. It's not just something they're doing. When I say, look at that person over there. That's Bob. Bob is an honest guy. I'll tell you that. If there's one thing I know about Bob, he's honest. I'm not just describing something that he's doing. I'm describing a quality that he possesses. Now, as a quality, honesty involves feelings. Yeah, sure it does. And it also involves acts. But it is inappropriate and inaccurate to say that honesty is a feeling or it is an act. So how does it involve feelings? Well, for example, part of what is making a person develop the quality of honesty is the way they feel about being lied to and about lying themselves, right? The, the way that person feels about truth and truthfulness are motivating her to want to be honest. But her just feeling honest doesn't make her an honest person. She has to demonstrate a commitment to honesty over time. That's when we say that that person has the quality of honesty. When others think of her, a defining aspect of her personality that comes to mind is that she has a strong interest in and a commitment to being honest. She's reliably trustworthy. So that's just honesty as an example. Empathy. Like honesty is a quality. All you unhealthy people out there who just revel in the idea that your emotional unhealth or emotional disorder has granted you some kind of special superpower. It's a reflection of ignorance. Profound ignorance. And reveals the belief in a person that they believe that qualities are just feelings so and it's no different than love for example uh, you know my my father telling me he loves me while at the same time abusing me abuse of any kind is completely contrary to what love is so what can we accurately conclude about my father's attitudes that he believes love is only affectionate feelings inside of yourself it you see, that's the belief that that love, honesty, empathy, it, these are just feelings that I experience inside of myself. And I can completely betray those feelings and behave in completely contradictory ways to what those feelings represent. And I'm not, and I'm, and I can still, and I can still say, that I'm experiencing empathy and love. Why? Because it's just a feeling. I still feel love. I still feel empathy. I still feel honest, even though I'm lying to everybody around me about everything. You see? But these things are not just feelings. Feelings do not determine reality. In any scenario, feelings do, are not the thing that we healthfully use to determine reality. 
Love is a quality. And yes, feelings are involved. Action is involved. But it is not feelings and action just on its own. Empathy is a quality. Honesty is a quality. When my daughter gets testy and irritable with me, and instead of immediately taking offense, I first try to understand the context of her irritation as if I were her in her body experiencing the world through her eyes so that then I can understand her irritation from a first-person point of view and then hopefully feel something similar to what she might be feeling and then sympathize with it. This is me demonstrating the quality of empathy. The empathy may allow me to go from offense to a more compassionate response very naturally. Now that's not a given for a reason I'll explain to you in a second. But pay attention to the fact that um, it's not just that I'm going through these motions for my daughter. What's even just as important as that? The reasons for why I'm going through those motions. What is motivating me to take the time to try to empathize with my daughter before taking offense? Well, if it's healthy, if it's true empathy, the thing that would be motivating me is care, kindness, love, patience, goodness, right? Love being the primary one. If I have developed the quality of love, it goes hand in hand very well with empathy. Because I love my daughter, I say I don't want to treat her in any way that is not justified or is that is heavy-handed or anything like that so let me take a second here to put this try to put this into context what must she be feeling from what perspective is she coming from then i begin to feel what uh, hopefully is similar to what she's feeling and i can begin to relate from a first person point of view now the reason why i say that empathy may allow me to go from offense to a more compassionate response very naturally is that it's possible that after I empathize with her I'll conclude that her behavior is still not justified it's still not justified it's still not excusable so that's the reality with empathy I developed the quality of empathy right I applied that quality in my dealings with my daughter to see to help me decide and, and arrive at a, a just and fair conclusion before I act or before I take offense or before I respond, any of those things. But uh, there, it's entirely possible that at the end of it, after a, a empathizing with her, I may still conclude, well, it's th- this type of behavior is still unacceptable. There still has to be uh, some discipline involved here because it's just not justifiable but then on the other hand I might say well I can see that there are extenuating circumstances here and yes the way she behaved is totally justifiable she didn't get enough sleep last night and she doesn't mean what she's saying or she doesn't understand uh, how she's behaving or you know uh, she's limited by her true limitations as a, just a, a fallible person, you know, dealing with the human condition like we all are. That I could, I would let go. So let's, um, you know, we've been using love and empathy 
quite a bit in our examples uh, of water qualities. Let's let's talk about those some more, and let's also include some other qualities that are very fine qualities that we can all develop as people. And let's talk about the nature of them. And there's something interesting I want to share with you. You know, we were talking about the honey salad, stuff like that. Uh, That applies to qualities, not just in the fact that, for example, they involve acts and our feelings. Qualities are beautiful because they don't just involve acts and feelings, but in order to exist, they involve other qualities. That is the amazing thing about qualities. A quality can't a good quality can't just exist on its own. It absolutely requires just like that that uh, flower nectar has to pass between B to B and B uh, and and take on other substances in order to become honey and go through a process. Good qualities don't just exist on their own. They require they necessitate the development of other good qualities. That's interesting. Most people who um, are familiar with the Bible are familiar with these qualities, which the Bible talks about as the fruitage of the Spirit, but they are qualities. Uh, Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, mildness, self-control. These are all qualities. As qualities, they have to be developed. None of these things are just things we feel. Patience, for example, is not just something we feel. Just like all these other things, these other qualities that we discussed where they they have to go through a process or they have to include other ingredients, all qualities are like that. Patience is, is one of those. So is kindness, goodness, all of them. So good and healthy qualities are not like separate, distinct things that stand alone on their own. That's important to know. It's not like I can acquire love independent of patience, goodness, kindness. I'd like that to sink in. It's not like I can acquire love by itself as a quality in the absence of patience, kindness, goodness, and other qualities. Can't It can't exist that way. On the flip side, you can't truly be a kind person if you're devoid of love as a quality. Do you see? They're interconnected. They all depend on one another. So think about love and empathy. Empathy requires love. Do you remember I gave the example of my daughter, how I was able to um, apply that quality to her benefit in that example? And I talked about motives. What is motivating the empathy? Is what is uh, motivating it some selfish need on my own part? No. And unhealthy people, they don't under, they don't realize it. It's not usually conscious that they're doing that, but that is their motivation for their quote-unquote empathy. It is a selfish, self-serving motivation. Whereas, on the other hand, what's, what allowed me to stop, instead of just immediately taking offense at my daughter's let's say ugly behavior and take the time to put the thing into context and try to experience what she's experiencing her perspectives and all these things what was motivating me to do that what was motivating me to do that is that I love my daughter 
I, because I love my daughter, I want to be kind to my daughter. Because I want to be kind to my daughter, I'm willing to be patient with my daughter. Do you see how qualities are good qualities are very interconnected? Now, this is true for bad qualities too. Definitely true for bad qualities, but we don't have time to go into all the bad qualities today. Maybe we'll do that on another discussion. Today we're talking about good qualities. You know, part of your homework would be to, after we have this this discussion, would be to go out into your own life and try to distinguish, is this an act, is it an experience, is it a feeling, or is it a quality? We're only discussing a very limited number of these things today. I'm just trying to give you enough examples so that you can begin to, to classify things appropriately yourself in your own lives. Think about a relationship, a romantic relationship, where a partner claims to love the other partner but does not see the importance of empathy and never demonstrates empathy toward the partner. Can that be real love? No, it absolutely cannot be. Love requires empathy. The quality of love requires the quality of empathy. And what does the quality of empathy require? It requires the quality of love. So think about your relationships. How long have you been going along believing that love is just what you feel inside yourself? Do you understand that there are lots of reasons you might feel affection for somebody? And a hundred thousand of those reasons could be completely unhealthy. Could be completely unhealthy. You might be codependent. You might be possessive. You might be lustful. And I'm not saying that lust, for example, is bad. I, I don't believe that lust is bad. I think l lust is a spice of life, you know, especially in a sexual relationship. Uh, lust is just delicious, isn't it? But lust can exist completely de devoid of love. Lust can exist completely devoid of love. How many people do you believe in the world have just lusted for another person or wanted to possess that person? Think about this. How many people want to be with other people because of what, uh, because of the validation they think that that person, because of their beauty or whatever, will provide for their own lives, right? Is that selfless? No, that's not selfless. That's not love. But the person might still be experiencing tremendous, great feelings of attraction and desire and affection, and it's not love. Why? Because love isn't a feeling. Love is a quality. And love is the healthiest of all qualities. So how can you take a thing, the, the thing in the entire universe that is the healthiest of all qualities, and say that a person who is experiencing feelings of desire or affection for selfish reasons, for purely selfish reasons or primarily selfish reasons, how can you say that that person is experiencing love? The only reason you would say that or believe that is because you don't know that love is not just what you feel inside yourself. More is required. Why is more required? because it's a quality 
It's not just a feeling. So the partner uh, never sees the importance of empathy, doesn't demonstrate empathy, but swears up and down, I love you, I love you, I love you to the partner. Is that real love? It can't be. It can't be. Why not? Because love as a quality requires empathy. It's not just a kind of a thing. It can come or you can take it or leave it and still possess love. No. Genuine love requires empathy. And on the flip side, genuine empathy requires love. So do you see how these things are all very tightly interconnected? Patience and kindness. Let's talk about that. Can a person possess one of these qualities and not the other? Can I be? Can I possess the quality of patience absent the quality of kindness? Or can I possess the quality of kindness absent the quality of patience? No. To be patient is a kindness. Do you see? And to be patient, the quality of kindness must be present and active. There must be some development of the quality of kindness there in order to enable me to possess the quality of patience. Now think about this. I might be patient with you in an, for one particular situation, but in everyday life, that is not a quality I exhibit. You see, you might say, well, he was patient with me on this one occasion. It was strange because I thought he was going to get all impatient, but he was patient with me. The reason it was so strange is because he's usually so impatient with me all the time. Can you say that person possesses the quality of patience because they were patient with you on one occasion? No. A quality is something that kind of it kind of permeates the way you are, your nature, right? And these are things that can be developed. So if a person, if we don't acquire qualities, either good or bad, like I said, what we're talking about today applies to bad, bad qualities as much as they apply to good qualities. Think about how all good qualities are interconnected. Bad qualities are like that too. They're interconnected. But if we don't acquire good, healthy qualities one at a time, distinct and separate, independent of each other, how, how do we acquire them? How do we go about acquiring, for example, the quality of patience or the, uh, the quality of uh, kindness or the quality of love if they absolutely depend on those other good qualities in order to exist? Especially if we've been used to a lifetime of living with only fo- false approximations of these qualities. For example, love is the big one. All of us who start off unhealthy. Well, well, I should correct that. Nobody starts off unhealthy. We all start off healthy. It's our environments, the attitudes from our parents, which then make us unhealthy. But what I'm saying is that after living an entire lifetime of believing that we possess these qualities, and when we only really possess the faintest false approximations of them, How do we go about developing these qualities? Or how about, you know, after a whole lifetime of believing that qualities like love are just 
are completely determined by what whatever feelings we feel inside of ourselves I, I feel affection I feel tremendous affection that's love I can treat you any way I want and it's no there's no contradiction there because of because I still feel what I feel well all qualities are developed t- together and gradually so this is where it's a little different than like bees making honey or turning cotton into underwear because they're all interconnected they all develop together together slowly and gradually as you go inching along developing the quality of patience for example the quality of patience not just being patient in an occasion uh, like in this one occasion Brian was very patient I was pretty impressive it was pretty impressive because he's such an impatient person well that's not a quality I possess being patient it just means I was patient on that one time so how do I develop the quality of patience well as I go along inching along developing the quality of patience for example I necessarily and simultaneously am gradually strengthening other qualities at the same time think about how much love is required to demonstrate patience for example and think about how much patience is required to demonstrate true love to both yourself and to others spend some time thinking about that can I truly demonstrate the quality of love if I'm with, with in the absence of patience no because inherently to be loving requires that quality of being patient with who with just other people no it all starts with ourselves how loving and patient am I with myself because however whatever I view as justifiable and acceptable in my treatment and my dealings with myself then necessarily this will apply also to my dealings with other people as well and vice versa and vice versa think about my you know that example I used about uh, demonstrating empathy with my daughter what was another thing that was helping me uh, exhibit that quality for her, for her well because if I were her if I were her I wouldn't appreciate um, somebody not taking the time to empathize with me to try to understand how I'm feeling right now to understand the, the context of the situation so these things are all interconnected uh, that's how it was for me by the way you're probably wondering if you're somebody who's at the beginning of this Barnett how did you get there like what's the process for that the process for that is you have to be mindful of things like love patience kindness goodness and understand that they do not exist independent of each other they're interconnected it's like um, I'll tell you what it's like I was just thinking of like a a tank uh, that has like um, tubes in it as you're filling up the tank the water level in all the tubes rises together 
It's not like one tube fills up and then the next tube and then the next tube. If they're in that tank, as you're filling the water, the water goes into the tubes and the tubes, let's say you got five tubes, uh, the water rises in the tubes almost perfectly together. That's what it's kind of like developing inequality. You, you got to understand, starting off, that if I want to develop the quality of love, of authentic, genuine love, for example, I can't do it in the absence of patience, of kindness, of these other good qualities. You're developing them all at the same time. So that's the, that's the nature of the way that that works. They, they gradually develop together. As you're working on one, you're strengthening the other. As you're strengthening that one, another one is being strengthened. And, that, and that's the way it works. And that was the way it was for me. You know, and also in my personal experience, there, there are different elements to developing qualities for real that you've lived a lifetime without. One is you have to understand the, the true nature of them. I hopefully have helped you do that today. Qualities are not f- just what you feel inside yourself. I can't just say, well, I feel really honest and then do whatever I want to do because, well, heck, I, I feel honest. So uh, even if I lie, because a quality is based on what I feel, that's what brings it into existence, I can lie. <laughs> do you see that? If I believe, for example, that honesty, that these qualities, honesty, love, and those sorts of things, uh, their existence depends only on what I feel inside myself. Do you see how even if I lie, I can tell myself I'm still an honest person. I can lie to myself and say I'm still an honest person because I still feel honest, even though I lied. And why can I sell myself that complete load of horse papui because from my perspective if I feel a thing then it's true and do you remember what we said about feelings feelings don't determine reality feelings in themselves don't determine reality so that was that was my experience first of all understanding the very nature of qualities what separates them from things like actions or feelings And then I worked to undo the unhealthy underlying perspectives that I had been raised with, these unhealthy attitudes that were obstructing me from experiencing and developing these qualities for real. Once I removed that blockage, which is just these unhealthy misperceptions that we've been raised with about that deal with the nature of feelings and self, once I begin to remove that blockage and I begin to adopt new perspectives and attitudes then this began to allow me to truly understand and develop these good qualities in very small increments as a natural consequence so gradual kind of like the inflation of a kiddie pool you ever get these children's inflatable pools and you just it doesn't happen all at once it's gradual but uh, that, that's kind of what it's like. The next important thing to know about qualities is the motivating force behind it. The inspiration and the motivation behind it matters. The inspiration and motives for it are, one of, are just one of those ingredients, just like making honey or making morir soñando, 
require certain ingredients for it to exist at all and none of the wrong ingredients right when it comes to qualities one of those ingredients is the motivating force it has to be the right type of motivating force otherwise you don't end up with the authentic quality let me give you an example goodness goodness is it enough for me to know what is the right thing to do no and I'll illustrate it for you we must do the right thing right that's the action and we have to be motivated for the have the right motives for doing it then we can say we're beginning to develop the quality of goodness is it possible to do the right thing the uh, you know do something good quote unquote so basically just going through the motions of doing the right thing with the wrong motives yes what happens when we do the right thing with the wrong motives then you don't end up with the quality of goodness think about that if I do the right thing so I'm just going through the motions but I don't have good motives if I don't have the right motives for doing that thing at the end can I describe that at quality as goodness the answer is no so for example let's say that I start inviting you and your family over for supper that's pretty good isn't it I start inviting you guys over for supper you say well, what could be wrong with that well what if my real motivation for doing it is that you and your family are of a different race than I am and I'm only trying to impress the people in my neighborhood I just want to be seen having friends of a different race that that's my true motivation I'm trying to impress other people I want to use this to push myself up and improve my public image do you see how the motivation in this example is so self-interested and so selfish and really the primary motivator is not my true interest in you my my genuine interest in you and your family but in what I get out of it what it what it's going to do for me how it's so far removed from any true interest in you and your family that any possible goodness that could have come out of that is ruined it's completely ruined most any goodness there has been rendered moot and non-existent so yes motives matter they are an ingredient they are a necessary ingredient the motives have to be the right kind with this in mind what other qualities can you think of that complement goodness and have to work in harmony with goodness in, in order for goodness to exist if you're impatient critical and hateful toward everybody is it reasonable to assume that you are developing the quality of goodness or that you have developed the quality of goodness of course not so you'd have to have already been developing the qualities of patience kindness and love sort of like just like a you know like that inner tube that has the the tubes on it or the the, the different compartments you know when you start to blow that thing up they all fill up together or just like that water tank I talked about earlier that has the the tubes in it and as you fill up the water tank the tubes begin to fill all together that's what it's like to develop qualities good qualities and bad qualities alike 
we're focused on good qualities of course so you'd have to have already been developing the qualities of patience kindness and love at the same time that you're trying to develop in yourself the quality of goodness wouldn't you yes goodness cannot exist in the absence of the qualities of patience kindness and love joy is interesting because joy is dependent on goodness and joy is not just the quality of being cheerful this is kind of like the discussion we always have about the difference between happy and content right when we talk about content we're talking about an underlying state happiness comes and goes I can be terribly depressed and go to a party and experience happiness but when we talk about contentment we're talking about an underlying permanent uh, state or or condition so joy is kind of like that it's not just being cheerful it might be really common for example for an alcoholic woman when she gets drunk every weekend to spend her Saturday nights in a really hilarious mood but what happens when she sobers up the next day well all of her problems are still there all the things she hates about herself are still there she goes right back to being miserable her momentary exuberance was not true joy joy like contentment is an underlying condition you know it's a deep-seated quality and it's been defined as the emotion excited by the acquisition or expectation of good so can you develop joy true joy authentic joy absent goodness no you can't do you see how they're all interconnected they fill up together so when you're starting off and you've not developed any of these qualities for in a genuine way you got to be patient with yourself <laughs> there's another quality you got to be patient with yourself and allow time for these things to begin to fill up all together and to be forgiven of yourself while you're waiting what's that that's patience that's the way it works and when it comes to joy a person could be disturbed about something but still be experiencing joy in the heart you know and and joy is so nice is because we're better able to cope with life because life throws all sorts of things at us and when you get healthy that doesn't go away the bad and the good still keep coming contentment can still be experienced so can joy and these other qualities ladies and gentlemen that's the show for this week um, I wanted to thank you a few episodes back I, I said please like the episodes that you like if you don't like it don't don't like it I mean what I mean is press like on YouTube or rumble or wherever you're listening to this ad or watching it and you folks really came through now I want to tell you what happened because of that the viewership for that episode on YouTube shot up double and triple and um, and so I just wanted to thank you for that and I understand that it's it's you know I, I catch myself watching YouTube all the time and I truly enjoy a video don't even remember to press like and uh, and so I understand that that, that tendency it, it's not something I'm always thinking about doing but if you w wouldn't mind if you liked this episode will you pre please press like because the algorithm the way that the 
YouTube or Rumble is programmed then is to say, well, more people are liking this show. Let's uh, suggest it to more people. And that's the way that works. And then more people get exposed to it. So I just wanted to thank you. And also, maybe that's a reminder I'll start giving you uh, regularly. You know, can't go through an, uh, an episode without me trying to say regularly. So, um, again, I really appreciate you folks joining me this week. I hope you have a wonderful weekend. And I hope you've really enjoyed this conversation about the distinction between qualities, which... I would say are the most important because that is the morir soñando. Otherwise, you've just got milk and orange juice. <laughs> and uh, I hope that it find, you find some real benefit in your life as a result of it. If um, you're trying to develop these qualities and you'd like a more intimate discussion with me about how you might um, go about it or what might be preventing you from doing that, um, schedule a one-on-one call with me there at thelastsymptom.com. You folks take care. I'll uh, see you next week.